Hi, I'm Hillary. Hi, I'm Lark. Hi, I'm Jessica. And we all work together at the National Women's Law Center. Welcome to Hearsay, where we deep dive into cultural moments that live rent-free in our heads, and probably yours too. And today we're going to be talking about abortion in the media and on TV. Not smushmortion, not the other option, not the choices. Abortion. It's very normal for us to talk about abortion and to say the word abortion. I mean, we read it, see it, talk about it, think about it every day at work. There's no stigma when we talk about it. It is present pretty much everywhere we look. And we believe in healthcare and the fact that abortion is healthcare. And that for all of us to truly be free, everyone needs abortion access. But obviously because of decades of right-wing extremists, abortion has turned into this whole Shmushmorshan, it's turned into a mess. It's It's turned into, yeah, it has turned into this whole elephant in the room, but we can't talk about the Mm -hmm. fact that there's an elephant in the room. And in TV shows and movies, too, it it appears everywhere. It's not Mm -hmm. just in spaces like reproductive rights spaces, gender justice organizations. It is everywhere. And we're currently in this critical moment. It's been over a year since Dobbs has overturned Roe. We are trying to gain more access to abortion and make sure that it's safe access, make sure that it's unrestricted access. As a part of that movement, we can't let shame win. Like, Mm -mm. we can't hide behind it. We can't use euphemisms for something that is healthcare. We cannot use euphemisms for abortion. And so we were talking about, like, in what ways have we seen abortion depicted in pop culture and media that have changed our perceptions on it before we worked here, that have made us scream, what the heck, <laughs> while we were working <laughs> here. <Or worse. laughs> um, and things that aged well, aged poorly, things mm-hmm. that have stood the test of time. Not everything does. No. Not everything did stand no. the test of time. No. So we all had our own pieces that we wanted to talk about, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. I feel like even like shows and moments I thought about earlier— I didn't think about them in that way, right? Like things when I saw them the first time and then thinking about them now with how much we know and what we do, I feel like I have such a different understanding and realization of what the depictions are. Right. It wasn't hard to come up with a list of them. No. For us. We, <laughs> right. This, this could we be. We were ready. This will not be a 40-hour episode, <laughs> but it could have been. You're welcome. We yeah. You. <laughs> While we were prepping and we decided we wanted to do this episode, we each came with too many ideas. Um, and so we're going to kind of talk about where we were impacted, why we were impacted, how, and like how we look back on it now, now that we are fully immersed in this work where we are constantly talking about it. We each brought something from our like favorite shows we've watched or movies we've seen to talk about, but we've all watched one thing, what yes. is considered the seminal abortion episode, the first one, though I found out it wasn't technically the first Ooh. one. There was one, an abortion plot line, I guess, on a, like 60s soap. Before oh, that, but in 1972, there was an episode of Maud, which none of us were alive for, <laughs> <laughs> though I was born in the 70s. So we, we want to um, make it clear that we, yeah, we were yeah. not yeah, alive. <laughs> Let yeah. the record reflect. We were not a- alive this is in 1972. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but some of us were close. Anyway, so this episode of Maud that was created by Norman Lear, who is like, you know, this revered, uh, renowned TV creator made All in the Family, which mm-hmm. also dealt with hot button issues. Mm-hmm. Which I, And it was a spinoff of that. Oh, yeah. In the episode, Maude is a grown woman, 47, with a husband. She's remarried. She has an adult daughter who lives with her who's divorced and has an eight-year-old son. So this is like their their household with with the four people in it. And Maude discovers she's pregnant and it, it reacts as if it's 
the end of the world and like full like you know melodrama like hand to her her forehead you know fainting I can't believe I'm pregnant and just horrified Um, and then you know it sort of proceeds from there where everybody's talking like are you gonna have this baby there's some assumption and it's you know Maud's grown daughter who's like you don't have to do this it's 1972 abortion is legal mother listen to me it's a simple operation now but when you were growing up it was illegal and it was dangerous and it was sinister and you've never gotten over that now you tell me that's not true it's not true and you're right I've never gotten over it. It's not your fault. When you were young, abortion was a dirty word. It's not anymore. I'm wondering what you both thought when you you saw it. Yeah, the fact that they ended up saying abortion, Mm -hmm. like the word abortion. Mm -hmm. And granted, it was from like the lefty daughter um, (laughs) who said it. But then none of her friends of ages, genders were necessarily asking her to lean one way or the other. I thought that the conversations around it were obviously there was the whole like, uh, oh, why would I talk to my husband about this kind Mm -hmm. of aspect of it for like most of it where he was like, they're like, yeah, we know what the other person's thinking because you need that for TV. Um, That's the situation. That's the situation. Right. (laughs) Um, But when they finally talked about it, there was no, of anything, they were trying to challenge Milan to be like, hey, like even though you know it's legal. You are dealing with your own shame around it, right. which is mm-hmm. fine. Yes. But also you should know that you should be you should try to put that aside if you know that this is in your best interest. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought how supportive all the people in her life were of like, yes, this is a banana situation for you to be in. And whatever you choose is the right thing. I thought was not what I was expecting from that episode. I thought everything they talked about are literally things we're saying today. Right. Like the whole birth control conversation, talking about, well, men are getting more vasectomies. Where's male birth control? Same thing we saw right after Dobbs. Um, the age conversation I thought was really interesting, yeah. how they kept talking about the Eagle Scout when I'm 62 and how differently we think of women Later of pregnancy. like, yeah. yeah, in pregnancy now. And it reminded me of when Sex in the City the and Just Like That came out, mm. the women's ages at the start of and Just Like That are the same ages as Golden Girls and Crazy. how different we, the characters, yeah. 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 How different we look at women in that way now versus yeah, Maude in is Golden Girls. 47. Right. Yeah, I was doing the math. Of and which the, she considers, you know, like dead. Yeah, literally, <laughs> which is so, that was like, yeah. uh, I expected that, but not. It was really interesting how much that was made a big point. And I think the part that hurt the most was the daughter being like, we're free now. Like, it's legal. You can do it. And it's it hurts so much to be like, yeah, we that's what we thought. And here we are now. Like, it's so I was not expecting that. It's not a dirty word anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And we're in a worse spot than we were when Maude got her abortion. I felt exactly the same way. I'm watching this and this is like this special episode and like they're making this on purpose right they're making this to to take a stand to like to have a dialogue about this like issue they know is like not new in the country but it's time to talk about it that's what they want to do that's what Norman Lear does on his shows and it felt like such a beacon of we are moving forward Mm -hmm. this is the new thing we are naming what the world is and this is how it'll be from here on out and then to know what 
follows in the 50 years after, and we're going to go through a lot of it with these TV shows and movies, is is a regression. Mm-hmm. That they could say, I mean, I, we've made jokes about shmushmorsh, I can't even say, fake, <laughs> I can't even say the wrong word that they want me to say right. instead of abortion. We're so trained here. But uh, <laughs> we've moved backwards so much and it's so disheartening. But that like what a step this could have been. And and here we are now mm-hmm. instead. But they're they're not all not all the depictions we have to talk about are no. bad, I guess. No. No. I mean, no. I don't know. I feel like mine were not great. When we were brainstorming for this, I instantly thought about sex in the city. My mom watched it and I grew up watching it with her, but obviously not fully understanding mm-hmm. like <laughs> The gravity of what was happening until I did a full rewatch earlier in 2023. So I was watching, it got to the episode where Charlotte was still with Trey and she was struggling to get pregnant. Um, but then Miranda gets pregnant unexpectedly. She gets mm-hmm. pregnant unexpectedly Steve. And, by Steve, who I love Steve. That's a whole uh, other conversation. Justice for Steve. Justice for Trey. Steve. Justice for Steve. One ball Steve. Yeah. One ball Steve. It was so, the so pity. What, that was her thing. Their She's like, it was, a, it was a pity hookup with my lazy ovary and his one ball. <laughs> how was, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so they're having this conversation, the four of them and Miranda is very, like, disheartened, but very practical about it because Charlotte's like, well, what's the alternative? And Miranda just, like, looks at her like, you know what the alternative is. And Charlotte is completely appalled, upset, partially slash mainly because of what she's going through. Because, and I think throughout the episode, she's talking about it, like, how did Miranda get pregnant so easily? Mm -hmm. And I've been trying so hard and been Mm -hmm. wanting it versus Miranda didn't want to. It prompts more abortion conversations mm-hmm. throughout the episode where Carrie's like, yeah, I've had one. But mm-hmm. they're still not saying abortion. No. They're not so saying. Weird. It's, and it's so HBO. Odd. You right. can show butt cheeks, but and you can't other say stuff, abortion. The other <laughs> right. wild stuff they showed on that yes. show and they didn't do that. Like the episode, oh my God, the episode where they went to the like the sex coach. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But you can show that right. on TV. Right. And what a message that's sending to yeah. say we can... We can like every dirty double entendre you could ever think of, mm-hmm. every sex scene, every bit, of, you know, like it reveled in pushing an envelope, it thought, but somehow it was too hard to say the word abortion. Right. Which is what we look back on now. Like it right. aged well, but also it didn't, the show mm-hmm. in general. But it's right. when we're going to narrowly focus on this aspect, because um, Miranda did end up keeping the baby. The baby ends up being Brady. Charlotte probably would have stopped being friends with her or at least not talked to her for a while if she decided to get the abortion. Right. Which what kind of solidarity and support right. is that. Yeah. I recently watched that episode not too long ago and I was like, oh no. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why don't we talk about how bad, so bad. this was when I watched it again? Because I don't I think I remembered like bits and pieces, but watching yeah. it in the context of the whole show and then watching it now that I work here. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is bad. Well, yeah. and we don't even I I mean, I think that's another through line through this is that we are Right now we're looking for it because we know we need it. We need Mm -hmm. people to share abortion stories. We need people to be. But like for so long, we just all accepted these messages, like these shaming messages in our media without questioning them. Even things we liked, even things we'd label as feminists, which I think Mm -hmm. arguably Sex and the City tried to be. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's to me like how insidious it all is, you know. I watched two that did not age well at all. The two (laughs) I'm that came to my mind were Juno and Knocked Up. And I mean, Juno was 
broke the internet, broke the world. You know, it had mm-hmm. such a claim. It won all the festivals. It gave us Elliot Page. It, like, did right. all these amazing things and was, like, the pinnacle of indie movies that I think we generally like to believe are left-leaning, you know, are showing the stories in a gritty, like, real raw way. And it's so bad. It's so, <laughs> so bad. I it's It so was sad. on TV when I was home recently, and it was so awful the conversations about quote choices it falls into every single trope of like anti-abortion rhetoric and bullshit yes of like well we'll just take care of you you know like let's find a nice family to take care of the baby like it's it's not about what the like what's going to happen after or what it's your choice and opportunity to do that um knocked up I also so much of that aged poorly. The body image shaming stuff is so gross in that movie, which was of the time, but I did not remember so much of that because she's, Katherine Heigl plays like the news anchor, like E! News host person. Right. So oh, that's, right. Yeah. I forgot about that. And they like, because yeah. she doesn't tell, which that goes into like Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, because yeah. she doesn't tell them that she's pregnant for a long time because she doesn't want to get fired, but they just think she's like getting fat so they tell her to lose weight and then so they're she, just like Hollywood about it literally yeah. yeah um but that too she has that whole schmishmorshin scene with her mother yeah. at lunch and her mom's like women like us have choices like we can, you know we there's things you can do and it they still don't talk about that and they it, it it's so weird to think about the impact that movie would have because I think I always think of it as this funny you know the Judd Apatow yeah. era it's a funny right. feel-good movie it's on e-news every night like it's funny but we're sitting here watching this every single time and I don't think we often think critically about how much these movies hold a place in our heart and in our media and in the world and what that says to us and about us well so for my shows I went back to November 2016 which if you think about the timing of these airing it was like two weeks after the election I didn't realize they aired within a month of each other. I'm talking about episodes of Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, both not watched enough CW shows that I was uh, fans of while they were airing. Mm -hmm. And both of them have these, like, you know, the platonic ideal of abortion depictions on TV. And I hadn't realized why I picked them and why they both popped into my mind until I rewatched them Mm -hmm. and got really very emotional. But in both episodes of both shows, the characters who have abortions— one are happy and fine with them, but it's because they're both already moms and Mm. I'm the same age as them. Mm -hmm. um, And I have two kids and I don't want another child. And I would have an abortion (laughs) instead of having another child at this point. But they are both beautifully depicted. Jane the Virgin, Jane's mom, who had her as a teen. So Mm -hmm. she was 16 when she had Jane, who the titular virgin, I guess. That's a weird (laughs) sentence. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Uh, Jane's mom, you know, already had one kid when she didn't want to when she was 16. She, of course, says she doesn't regret it because she's got her daughter and she's wonderful. Um, But she gets pregnant again and realizes, like, I don't want this. And she even says this, like, beautiful line, like, I want the next 20 years to be about me. Like, I already did this once. And she deserved it. And so we don't, she has a medication abortion. The bigger issue and the drama of it is really about telling her mother, who's Catholic, they're Mm. a Catholic family, Mm -hmm. and Jane's abuela, who's like, not happy about it. And mm-hmm. so when she finally, it kind of slips out, she tells her. And they spend the rest of the episode not debating whether she should have had the abortion, but how do you talk and reconcile with your family mm. when you're on two sides of like of something? And the conclusion was like, didn't didn't like your choice? 
love you. Yeah. Want you in my life. You're my daughter. That's, and it's fine. Yeah. That's what so a great, beautiful. Right. And then it's pretty similar on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, it's Paula who is a paralegal and decides she's going to go back to law school. She has two like teen boys and, you know, okay, I'm having this third kid. And I, even though I got into my law school and I got a scholarship and I'm going to change my whole life in my forties here. No, instead I'm going to have this kid. And she just like gives into it. And then eventually realizes like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like why, what stigma am I holding? Why am I doing this? And we don't even see her get the abortion. We don't hear any conversation just later. She's in bed, the doorbell rings and her son uh, calls down like, mom, I'll get it since you just had an abortion. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, like, that makes me emotional. I, know, and I haven't even seen it. Right. And like that line, we know this statistically that moms are the people who mm-hmm. most often have abortions. And just like, I remember I was so happy at the time that when they were on and I, I must have, you know, like because of that November 2016 period is like a a mess that I must have. It's like, well, this is the world as it should be. And as it and and we saw what happened. Right. Like since then with Dobbs, like the way that circles back to Maude of like, here we are. It's okay that how much that has in common and then how, how far we've fallen since then. It's like both inspiring and depressing all at once. So we have been talking about all of these examples and to us, they serve almost as time capsules and also just like mile markers of where we were, where we are, where we want to go. So we wanted to sit down and talk to someone at the Law Center about this. And so I sat down with Layla Abulfazli. She is the director of the National Abortion Strategy here at the Law Center. Um, and just kind of see like what her perspectives are now that we are post-dubs and have had decades of abortion representation behind us. So we're going to ask her whether... It's Juno's fault. Basically, yeah. Dobbs. Yeah. I'm willing to put it all on that. Yeah. The whole the whole era. Mm-hmm. She's so great. Yeah. Can't wait. Jealous a little. I know. You get to talk to FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to be sat here with Layla Abel-Fosley, my colleague and the director of National Abortion Strategy here at the National Women's Law Center. Layla joined Law Center back in 2011, and in her time, she's worked on an array of legal cases and worked to protect abortion rights all across the country. So very excited to have you here, Layla. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Of course. How did you get involved in this to begin with? Like, what drew you to it? Well, in 2011, I was watching very closely what was then the defund Planned Parenthood fight, where they were threatening to shut down the government uh, because the government reimburses health care that Planned Parenthood provides. And so I realized I was following that much closer than I was following my day job and thought maybe it was time for me to make a switch. And came over to the law center, even though I didn't know what it meant to be a legislative lawyer. I took the plunge and um, worked on a range of reproductive health care issues from that time and including abortion. But I also worked on birth control issues relating to the Affordable Care Act and the infamous Hobby Lobby case. And then have dealt with the range of attacks that have happened in Congress over the past decade leading up to um, when the anti-abortion extremists were able to get what they wanted, which was to overturn Roe v. Wade. You talked about how watching the defund Planned Parenthood efforts in the early 2010s really influenced your desire to get involved in this work. But do you have like a memory before that of consuming other kinds of media where you saw abortion? Yeah, I I would like to say Dirty Dancing is my earliest memory, Mm -hmm. um, but it is not. It it is my earliest memory in that I watched the movie maybe a thousand times with my closest neighbor and made up five million dances to it. Mm -hmm. 
but I actually had no idea about the abortion subplot for many, many years. What I think my earliest memory really was that year that Juno, the waitress, and Knocked Up came out. And what I was struck by was both the way each did or did not approach abortion and also the broader context of how women were portrayed and showed up in these conversations about pregnancy and the partners they were with and the people who are around them, it felt very constricted. The view of what happens when somebody faces a pregnancy they were not intending and then the defunding Planned Parenthood fight, I saw parallels actually of just we want to see one scenario and that's all we're going to show you. And in the bigger conversation about the Planned Parenthood defunding fight, it is that women are not in charge of their bodies. And in those that trifecta of movies, it was the pregnancies were a fun subplot to much more complicated, messy. It was the side plot, but in a way that I thought was a bit irresponsible, that didn't really reflect how people go through these issues in their lives. I remember like seeing clips of Juno, and I feel like that was also the era like when, like, I don't know, in Glee and like in TV shows. So, like I was born in 2000 to age myself. And so I feel like a lot of shows that I watched would have at least one episode where like abortion came up, whether or not it was an explicit, like, are you going to get an abortion or you're pregnant? Have you talked about your options? Are you going to keep it? Like, stuff like that. And it's, yeah. like, a very, like, if you know, you know, but also it's usually immediately shut down. Yeah. And it's, That's like, right. like, no, of course I'm going to keep it. Or why would you say that? Or right. it's, like, very much met with, like, defensiveness. And, and, and there's a very helpful miscarriage that comes along the way to shut down any further need to talk about it. I remember that actually from... Party of Five, so I will date myself there, too, that there was a very intense episode about one of them faced an uh, unplanned pregnancy, and it. I remember it. Actually, that is my first memory. Now that I think about it, that's my first memory where, again, it was a very superficial conversation, and they ended up dealing with it like they do in many shows where a miscarriage came and saved the day in terms of them having to actually wrestle with these more detailed nuances that is actually reflective of our lives. So at the Law Center, we do a lot of work surrounding abortion in order to confront the stigma. And we even have a destigmatizing abortion campaign, which we call destig internally because it is so hard to say destigmatizing. I've had to say this over and over again, but we have a campaign for it um, on our social media and online to kind of try to bring it more to the forefront, talking about moments in pop culture, relevant moments in breaking down where stigma lies, even in language that we don't even fully understand. And so do you think that in your role in the national strategy that destigmatizing abortion on a national scale, but especially in media representation is important and like how so? Yeah, I, I think part of what got us here, right, was what you're finding out is that a lot of people have had abortions and you don't know about that. And why is that is one, like people shouldn't have to share their health care stories, right? You know, it, all this other health care people get and they don't talk about it. But two, it is stigmatized and shamed. And, and that is not just from the extremists, right? There's just been decades of othering that care. And I think in the end, it's rooted, if you go back in the history of U.S. attempts to restrict abortion care to the 1800s, 
this really has to do with uh, a broader conversation of gender equality in our country and the role of women in it. And abortion, in the end, is about who decides about the bodily autonomy of, of a person. So it's really two issues is that, one, an ongoing inability in this country to really reckon with a history of not having gender equality and really thinking through that and that abortion is a symptom of that. And so women's lives are pushed behind the curtains. They happen in the void. And then that means that people don't know about it, think it doesn't happen to anybody else, and they all stay quiet. And so when we move forward and think about restoring the federal right to abortion, it is both a part of that broader narrative about who decides my future and my major issues about my own health care. And then also when it's abortion, how do we normalize that? And and something that has just been so striking is, is how many people have gotten abortions we've heard since Dobbs. It's a lot. And so it tells you that it is normalized in people's lives. It's just not normalized in our public atmosphere. And so that will have to happen. And it seems like there's a moment here that we can capture it where people are recognizing it and they're able to be out there talking about it. And since Dobbs, a lot of celebrities have come forward with their abortion stories. Phoebe Bridgers, Britney Spears, Carrie Washington, Busy Phillips, just to name a few. And I want to know like how you felt when you heard and or read those stories. And if you think based on seemingly the increase in the number, if not like the scale of which these celebrities are, like Carrie Washington is huge. Britney Spears has been through a lot and is obviously huge. And so these celebrities who have had so many decades long careers are just now since Dobbs sharing their stories. And so I wanted to know how that makes you feel that seemingly more people are coming forward. It just confirms that abortion care happens a lot and it's very typical in people's lives. And so, you know, it's nearly one in four who will have an abortion in their life. And so what I'm more struck by is often the stories are very similar. Like I just, a lot of, a lot of the celebrity stories I will say are like, I just wasn't ready to be pregnant and I made the decision and I knew it. And which is kind of striking because some of them may have gotten care before there were 5,000 restrictions in place in states or they were in states where there weren't restrictions. And so what's interesting now is, as I want to hear more of like, and here are all the hard hurdles I had to, because now the abortion story is the common story. But like, let me tell you about what it was like in a state with many barriers to care, which you'll probably not see as many. Um, but what's interesting is, is again, the idea that these people have to come out with their story to normalize it and we appreciate it, but it just confirms that this is happening in people's lives. And why is it so carved out when so many have needed it? And and it actually also says a testament to people will keep having abortions no matter what. Uh, it has been a thing, a part of people's lives since the beginning of time and through all the restrictions and laws. And what are we going to do to fight for it to be back as a legal right for all of us, not just dependent on the state you live in? For sure. I think there are different ways to address any problem, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so do you, do you think specifically that like having a more accurate 
representation or nuanced representation yeah. of abortion in teen movies and dramas and comedies. Do you think stuff like that would help? Or do you think like maybe marginally? Like what is your take? I mean, this is going to be such an easy answer for me to say. <laughs> All of it's going to be necessary. But it really is. If you think about the impact movies have, right, they plant seeds. And as much as I joked about Dirty Dancing, when I go back and think about it, and she was named after a Department of Labor secretary, like the first woman secretary of labor. And so, you know, there's such deep feminist tones and dirty dancing that I wasn't aware of at the time. And then afterwards, I was really thinking about it. And so I, I think it's important for representation of normalizing that this happens. And what I liked what you said is, is like the nuances that people, it happens in people's lives. What we're seeing now at the stories that are coming out post-Dobbs is the full range of stories that happen. And the more you hear about that, the more people are saying, oh, okay, I see that and I see this. And we're, so you need that in the public no matter what. And if it's showing up in movies and in TV shows, just as other issues are showing up, it helps to really say, oh, so this does happen and this is out there. And that it really is actually a very small minority that opposes it. Because a problem thus far has been that that small minority has made them look really big. They take an outsized role in our society. And so maybe decreasing that will show, like, people's lives are lives and things happen. And, and this is one of the many healthcare needs that people have over time. For an example, it's like we know that a lot of people that have abortions are already parents. Like, they already have a child or children. And so... I feel like when we see it on TV, it's like a teenager, a young person, an unmarried person. Almost, like it's not the demographic that actually is getting abortions more often. And so I think it should be in media for all ages. Like it shouldn't just be limited to like teenagers. Like now that you're maybe sexually active, you should know about abortions. But that and a show for like 40-somethings, 30-somethings parents. I think yes and no mm -hmm. because— it is true that if you're going to reflect young people having abortions, do that accurately, For right? Sure. Which is to show the many barriers that they face and show that, you know, half of abortion care is medication abortion. Like there's a whole ways that we can improve and advancing new standards and reproductive health answer has reports on this on a yearly basis and talking about how it shows up and that Renee Bracey Sherman talks a lot about this, about how they don't accurately represent people getting abortions and often it's women of color and they don't portray that. And so... The parenting piece is a really interesting one that actually, you're right, people don't understand that piece. And so in terms of education, they can make some real impact. But it is also important to say young people do. And here's what it's like for them. And so, I, you know, it, it actually what you're saying is it just shows you the dearth of storytelling we have and who is telling that storytelling. And it makes me excited now to think about how much better storytelling we have in the media and podcasts everywhere. And hopefully that's something that can come out more mm -hmm. and people have an appetite that it is, it is working parents, it is young people, it is older people who had not planned on a pregnancy. And so really the end message should be like, why is anybody else having a role in that decision when you really think about it is every situation where abortion pops up. And so just leave people alone. For sure. 
based on what you have seen, obviously, since the Juno knocked up Waitress trilogy, which is not a trilogy, but in your mind, probably very much was. Give it as a trilogy. Have you seen a good representation of abortion in media? I did not consistently watch Grey's Anatomy, but I did watch the episode was Dr. Christina Yang gets an abortion and she's with her partner and gets pregnant and doesn't want to be and gets the abortion. And I think I have vague memory, I should say. I haven't gone back to it. Well, I don't really remember much about the procedure and how they played that out. Like, was it this? I don't remember it being a very scary thing. And she kind of has it and it's over. And he's there for her. He doesn't agree with it. He wants to have the child. But what I remember is it is part of a broader conversation that they have in their relationship about their future together, that they want different things. And so, again, it's not the story. It's a part of their lives. And I thought that that was well done. And as we know, Shauna Rhimes does not shy away. And so very appreciative how one person probably has had a huge impact of showing abortion in people's lives and and how that story, you know, uh, Dr. Yang was, you know, wealthy doctor, privilege, et cetera. Like, so again, doesn't really represent the typical abortion patient, but was a, a woman of color and and the conversation of like asserting for yourself. And that was a big thing that she was choosing her career and wanted to be a doctor for so long. And that was a big arc in that show. And I think they really at times struggled in showing that and being okay as a show showing that, but how that the story of the abortion shows up there. Just to say in the beginning of the pandemic, I went back to dirty dancing. I really needed it just to like feel good again and reflecting again while they show that that was a, a, a back alley abortion and it was dangerous, which is like the way they represented pre-1973 abortion care, which is very different how abortion care is today. But what I liked is, is that it really picked up on power and privilege and how these things are intertwined with much broader conversations of abortion because the dancing was people expressing themselves and having to hide that part of themselves because it was not accepted in the norm and in the boxes. So to me, again, abortion was a story there about a bunch of richer fabric of people's everyday lives and who gets to say what is right and wrong. And if you watch the movie, they really try to say the dancing is wrong and they enjoy it so much. And so who gets to decide? So to me, I wrap everything back to gender stereotyping and gender equality. It is this much broader conversation of do you get to determine your own future or just somebody else? Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share all of your favorites, least favorites, all of your experience with us today. Thanks, Jessica. Have fun. Thanks again to Layla for taking the time to talk with me today and for doing this interview for the podcast. Um, In the show notes, you'll find links and details for all the episodes of TV and pieces of media that we consumed for this in case we want to do a NWLC rewatch deep dive like we did. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Hearsay is a Wonder Media Network production in partnership with the National Women's Law Center. It is hosted and produced by Jessica Baskerville, Lark Lewis, and Hilary Woodward. Our producers are Taylor Williamson and Autumn Harris. Jenny Kaplan is our executive producer, and Maddie Foley is our editor. Production assistance by Lucy Jones and show art by Andrea Sumner. What was your story about Brady? (laughs) So there's an awesome line in that scene where, like, um, Miranda has to, you know, she has the baby. So she mm-hmm. brings Brady to brunch. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. And Samantha turns and goes, that baby's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and 
my friends and I just like will say that about babies and we both have kids. So like I think that excuses us it somehow. Does, but yeah. like now anytime you hear like a baby cry anywhere, <laughs> we'll just like turn to each other. I'm like that baby's an asshole. <laughs>